Well, this is a great day to be in church. I'm glad that you're here, and I want just to encourage you to just jump in and get involved with us as we look into the Word of God this morning. Before I got married, there was a fellow who was a friend of mine that said, I want to give you a little bit of advice about marriage. And uh, he seemed to have a happy marriage, so I thought, well, that'll be good to listen to him. He said, there are two things you need to know. Number one, he said, marriage is not 50-50. He said, uh, it is more like 25-75, and you can figure you're going to be the 25. I thought, well, maybe so. And then he said, that there are some words that you never need to use if you get married. He said, and these three words are ones that you need to mark it down and never, ever use these. I said, well, what are they? He said, they are never and always and fat. Now, you can figure out pretty well why you wouldn't want to use that word fat. And uh, for the young men who are in our audience, I want to tell you that someday your wife may say, well, do I look fat in this pair of pants? And whatever you do, do not ever agree with her and say yes. Just say something like, well, you know, you look very nice in those pants. And those words are very important. Because, you see, they connect the past with the present. And so somebody may say to uh, his wife or to their husband, you know, you never say anything sweet anymore. You never take me out to eat. You never remember my birthday. Or, you know, you always insist upon your own way. You are always late. And you see, when you use those words, what you've done is you've connected the past with the present. And as you do so, it's usually not a very pleasant thing that you are trying to connect that with. If you have a Bible, there's a word I want you to note with me from the book of Matthew, chapter 4. And if you'll note with me in your Bible, Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 25, this word. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now, the word I want you to really uh, emphasize there and notice is the word every. That is, Jesus healed every kind of sickness and disease. I tell you, that should be encouragement when you pray. That maybe you have uh, been diagnosed with or come down with some kind of special disease and knowing that the Lord is able to heal every kind of disease. Now, when the Bible says that Jesus healed every kind of disease, Jesus was one who was healing the disease of every single person who was there. It was not just those who were good people, but He healed every sickness. You see, and Jesus, as He did that, He knew not only the people's past, but He also, because of the foreknowledge of God, knew their future. And He knew what it was that every person He has healed was going to do. He knew that He healed the eyes of some who would one day be viewing pornography. And He healed the legs of those who would one day be going to places that God did not approve of one going. 
And He healed the lips and the tongue of those who one day would be saying vulgar things and would be even blaspheming God. But because God is love, God healed every disease. He healed the disease and the sickness of every single person. If you'll read that next verse in Matthew chapter 4, it tells of the different kinds of things that He healed. People who were paralyzed, and people who had different kinds of demon possession, and people who were involved in all kinds of sickness, but our Lord loves everyone. And you see, that's the topic of our study today. And that is that God is love. And even though He knows what will happen, and He knows that there are people who will turn their back on Him, and people who will do all kinds of things to try to discredit people who would love God, we find that God loves those people. Over in the book of uh, Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11, Jesus was uh, on His way to Jerusalem, and He went through a little village somewhere along the uh, place where Judea and Samaria met. And the Bible says that when He came into that little village, there was a group of ten men who were possessed with the most horrible disease of that day, and that was the disease of leprosy. Leprosy affected people in horrible ways. It uh, would affect their ears, and their ears would drop off. It affected their lips, and their mouth would be covered with sores. It affected their nose, and their nose would drop off. And oftentimes they would wear a covering over their face so that no one could see how horribly they looked. And there were ten of these men who were there, and as Jesus came in, evidently they had heard about the healing of Jesus. And they called out and they said, Master, have mercy on us. And the Bible says that Jesus looked at those ten men, and He said, Go show yourself to the priest in order to be uh, uh, back into the uh, gist of a society, they had to be cleared by the priest. And so the ten men headed down and they were running to a place that they would be able to be uh, certified as being cleansed. And as they ran, the Bible says that they were cleansed. And one man, when he looked down and he saw that his body was free of that leprosy, that he turned and he came back to Jesus. And the Bible said that he praised God and threw himself at the feet of Jesus and praised him and thanked God for what he had done. And Jesus asked him this question. He said, was there not ten of you? But where are the other nine? And you know, evidently, Jesus knew because of the foreknowledge that he had that there would be only ten percent of those that he healed would come back to Him and acknowledge Him and be thankful to Him. But you see, Jesus loved and God loved everyone, whether they are good or bad. And even those who turn their back on Him, even those who are not grateful for the blessings they have, God loves them. Did you ever realize that even God loves those who are in hell? You see, hell was not created for man. Over in Matthew 25, verse 41, Jesus says that hell was created for the devil and his angels. But God loves even those people who are in hell. 
Because the very nature of our God is that God is love. In the book of John, beginning in chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, we're introduced to the uh, family of Mary and Martha and their little brother Lazarus. And that was a family that Jesus dearly loved. In fact, he probably loved them more than any other family except maybe his birth family. Because Jesus spent his last days upon earth in the home and with the family of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And these three people were so precious to Jesus. And the Bible says that one day, baby Lazarus got sick. In fact, not only was he sick, but he was deathly sick. And so the girls knew that they, they needed a miracle. And so they sent for the one who was a miracle worker, and that was Jesus. The Scripture says that they got a runner, and uh, he had a message, and he took that message to Jesus. It was a couple days before he was able to find Jesus, and it was going to be a couple days before Jesus came back with them. But the Bible says that when Jesus did arrive, he, arise, he arrived and found that Lazarus was dead. In New Testament times, they did not cremate bodies, nor did they usually uh, have an embalming service, but rather they just took a person when they died, and right away they would bury him. And Lazarus was dead, and he was buried. When Jesus got there, he saw all the tears. He saw the tears of the uh, people who were family and those who were friends who had come together to comfort Mary and Martha. And as he did, in the Bible's shortest verse, the Scripture says, John eleven thirty five, that Jesus wept. Now, you may wonder, well, why is Jesus weeping? He knows what's going to happen. He knows that he is going to raise brother Lazarus back to life. And, and why did not he say to Mary and Martha, Gals, why are you, why are you crying? Don't, don't cry. I'm going to bring Lazarus back. He's going to be with us here again. I'm going to resurrect him from the dead. But you know, instead, the Scripture says that Jesus wept. Over in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 15, Paul wrote this. He said, I want you to rejoice with those who rejoice, and I want you to weep with those who weep. And you see, that is the heart of God. And when God sees people in pain, He feels their sorrow. When God sees people who are in need, God wants to move into their life and, and help them because God is love. The focus of the gospel is God loving man, not man loving God. And here is God loving a man that he felt as a very close friend, Lazarus. It's kind of interesting that uh, if you see the note that was sent by Mary and Martha to Jesus, they sent to him and they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Not the one who loves you, but Lord, the one you love. Because you see, they realized that that's who God was. And that is, God is the one who is a God of love. And above all else, God loves all people. 
and God loves you, and God loves me, and those who are around us are all loved by God. I think we've kind of messed up John 3, verse 16. You know, the Scripture says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And as we have viewed that verse, we have often viewed it as people in the world loved God and they desired God. And they were so desirous of God and His intervention in His life that God said, I just can't resist their love anymore and I sent my Son. But you know, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that it was not God, it was not the world who loved God, but it was God who loved the world. And as God loved the world, God then intervened and He showed that by sending His Son so that whosoever would believe would be able to in turn have eternal life. But you know, there are always going to be bad people. There are always going to be people who do those things that God does not approve of. And there are going to be people who try to insult those who are believers in God. But I want to tell you, God loves them anyway. God is one who returns. He was going to love people who never return His love. And those people who mock God, He loves. And those people who blaspheme His name, God loves. And those people who write books to try to encourage people to not be believers in God, God loves them. Because our God is a God of love. And despite all the things that people may do, and all the ways that people may disappoint God, God is a God of love, and God still loves them. You see, what the Bible is all about is about God. And as the Bible begins, and the first statement is, In the beginning, God. Whenever the beginning was, God was there, and God loved those people who were there. If you had asked me, Dick, would you... Uh, Give us one chapter in the Bible that really tells us about God. What would that chapter be? I think that chapter would be 1 John chapter 4. And if you have a Bible and want to follow with me, 1 John chapter 4 beginning in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. Now, twice in this chapter, in verse 8 and in verse 16, the Bible says, God is love. Uh, I love the statement from William Barclay, who said, The greatest single statement about God in the whole Bible is that God is is love. Now, when you understand that God is love, it helps you understand some of the basic things in the Bible. 
For example, knowing that God is love helps us understand about creation. Now, why would God create man knowing that most of the people in this world were going to hate Him, blaspheme Him, turn against Him, and when He sent His Son, they were going to kill Him and crucify Him? Why would God do that? Well, when you understand who God is, you understand about creation. You see, love must have someone to love. And love needs someone to love it in return. And our God, who is love, made man so He would have someone to love because our God is love. Number two, it helps us also to understand free will. You see, if love is not a free response, it's not really love. This last uh, week, I was not able to be here with you. I was uh, over in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, where my uh, granddaughter graduated from uh, OU. And uh, not only did she graduate, but she also got engaged. It was kind of an interesting thing. Her uh, boyfriend had a, uh, a very special way to let her know that he wanted her to marry him. And uh, they have a dog. And uh, my granddaughter, Millie, kind of sees herself as the mother of the dog, taking care of it. And so he adopted the rule that, well, you're the mother and I'm the daddy of the dog. And so that's the way they treated each other and they laughed. And so he made a little plaque and he put it around the dog's neck so that when my granddaughter came in, she saw that plaque and it said, Will you marry my daddy? Well, the uh, dog didn't know what he was doing, but the whole thing was such that she would know who he is. But you see, if love is not free resp free response, it's not really love. But love is that which is a response of a heart that understands and knows and recognizes God. And so when you understand that God is love, it helps you understand free will. And a person who truly loves is going to respond in a great way to someone who loves them. Number three, being God is love also helps us understand about providence. You see, if God was simply law and order, then He would just have wound up this earth and threw it out there and let it run down. But you see, God, because He is love, He loves His creation, and He follows it with constant care and concern. Because our God is love, we understand something about providence. Number four, we understand something about redemption. If God was only law and justice, then because we have sinned, we would all be lost. But you see, God is love, and He does not want any one of His creation to be lost. And so God has provided a way so that even when we sin, that we can be forgiven, and we can become people who are children of God. And God has given us a way so that we can be redeemed. God has offered a way for man to have salvation because God is love. 
And then number five, let me tell you, the understanding God is love helps us understand about life beyond. You see, if God was only justice, then when we die, that would be the end. But you see, God so loved those of us who He created that God wants us to be able to live with Him forever and ever. And so as you and I read Scripture like the Bible says that uh, you and I are people who become children of God and we will be able to live with Him forever, it is because of God who is a God of love. And as we understand God, we understand Him that He is love. If you will look with me in uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, when it says, No one has ever seen God that you and I have never been able to witness God Himself, but we have been able to witness what God did. And that is that God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. So in 1 John chapter 4, we find the Bible says in verse 16 these words, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. We rely on that. We depend upon that. And he says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And then in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, he said, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not perfect in love. You and I are people who know how God loves us. That is, God's love is unconditional, it is relentless, it is aggressive, and it is perfect. And perfect love, he says, casts out all fear. You and I do not have to be people who live with fear because of God who is a God of love and a God who dwells within us. And if God dwells within us, it means that we do not have to live in fear. Now that does not mean that you'll never have any trouble or any sorrow. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16, Paul says that the devil has flaming arrows that he is shooting at us. And he will do everything he can to upset you and cause you to give up your faith in the God who is a God of love. But if you have love, you have the love of God in your heart then that is a perfect love, and it will cast out all fear. So that you can know this, no matter what happens to you, no matter where it is that you end up, no matter who it is that disappoints you, one thing you can always count on, and that is this, that God is love, and that He loves you. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, I pray that you will open our hearts so that we can understand the truth of the statement that you are love. And dear God, may we, knowing that you love us, may we follow in turn by loving others, dear God, who are around us because they are your creation. Dear God, may we be aware of the people around us who do not know you and who do not love you. And dear God, may we as your children who love you share that love with others so that they also may become believers and followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Dear Father, how great it is to have you as our Lord and to have the perfect love that you give us within our hearts. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning, and maybe there's a way we could be of encouragement to you. Maybe you say, you know, I'd like to be a part of this church family. If that's your desire, we would just welcome you with open arms. Maybe you'd like to come and confess your faith and be baptized into Christ. Or maybe you'd like to have one of our elders pray with you. I'll be at the front and our elders will be at the back. And if we can serve you and help you in any way, if you'd like to come, why don't you do it right now as we just stand and sing our song of invitation together. Boundless love, unending joy, this is my life. It's what I know, and I can't believe that he selected me. Jesus, my Lord, it's you I owe. 